done. Really? Ta-da. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know what was you know what was going on there. I don't know. Anyway. My computer my computer's not working very well either. I turned it off finally, so I don't know. That's why my computer was yesterday too. I couldn't connect to anything and I'm like, mm, oh well. <laughs> Shut it yeah. off. <laughs> Actually it's kinda of nice. Oh you know, it's, it's like... lovely. <laughs> I hate it. I just like I look at my computer and go, No, no, I don't want to go on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though, you know, we've got the box in our hand at all times almost, you know, to do what we need to do. I know. It's a part of our life, I guess. Ugh. I guess. I don't know. It's, um... <sighs> I just turn my phone off at night. I'm like, I'm just going to turn it off. I just, I don't even want to be tempted. I want to turn it off. Sometimes I'm up late, you know, and I don't because I'm up late, but... And when I turn it off, I'm just like I'm done. And then I, I think do that's things. smart. I think it's, I think your your phone is happier too because it has a chance to kind of yeah debug itself or whatever they do when they're off, as opposed to mm. on. Mm. Then you get a cleaner you get a cleaner product if you turn it off and on once in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's good. But it's we have this paranoia about not being reached or reachable, you know. I don't know. I know. It's like, don't we remember the days where we were free? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, long, you know? Yeah. Long time ago. I, yeah. But, you know, there's so much, it's really not fair to, to want that because there's really so much new information out there that we really, you know, we're capable of handling and we should. I was listening to a, Talk this morning between um, Carlo Rovelli and um, Simon Hoffenfeller uh, on um, on uh, essentially everything from nuclear physics to panpsychism to phenomenology. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, Hoffenfeller is it is um, doesn't she's a dualist of the first water. She believes that there's no connection. And I believe that Carlo Rovelli believes the same way. There's no connection between the synapses of your brain and consciousness. They just don't relate one way or the other. Um, and when I got my doctor's degree, I studied phenomenology. And phenomenology is about panpsychism in some ways. And she's a very anti-panpsychist. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and I was at that point in my career. It was very academic about the relationship, the outside dimensions that that are related to one another in the way of consciousness. Uh-huh. It was all very academic. And then I meet you, and we start this process, uh, coincidentally, of coincidence. Uh-huh. Until within the last, let's say, seven or eight days, it's become rather dramatic, and. You know, you and I are a walking, talking example of the of the validity of panpsychism. And uh, I almost want to pick up the phone and call her. You know, say, hey, "Wait a minute," you know. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, okay, so okay, so define that though. What is what well is panpsychic? Well, the panpsychic people believe that there is a, there is a there is a there is a uh, let's call it cosmic connection, for lack of a better word, a connection at least a a conscious connection between us as we think in our conscious behavior and other things like trees, for example. Mm 
or nature just in general, that we are able to communicate in some mm-hmm. way in a yeah. panpsychic method. Mm-hmm. And and um, so it can be argued that, you know, that when you're perceiving something that you believe is, is, panpsychism, is panpsychism or that you're connecting with it, you know, that thing you're looking at can have an infinite number of appearances to you that you won't even grasp so you may be missing the whole concept. You may be confabulating what's going on. But if you're not, if you are picking up on whatever the signal might be, then, and you can, and you see what's happened between you and I, which I find interesting, is that we are a proof of concept in a very scientific method. It's not like you and I are talking about something. It's like we could have set up the test that we went through with the silver dollars uh-huh. And it would have been it would have been valid as a scientific experiment. Uh-huh. It just happened to be coincidence. Right. So, so you know, is it can it be replicated? That's the big thing that science talks about. And the panpsychism people say that's not necessary. If the validity is there, then it's valid. Okay. And so, yeah. So. Um, but it, all know, of all like, of science. When, no, when does when, how many times does it have to happen before it's not coincidence? It seems coincidence is the word we use when we can't explain things. That's that's true, because everybody wants to have a a repl- It has to be replicated in some way before it becomes valid in the scientific community. They have to be able to go to the lab and test it. You know, right? But then, but the spiritual world doesn't operate like that it's it's the same uh experience or happening but under a different circumstance so which makes them different not the same you know like finding the penny right it it seems random but it keeps happening that's right that's right but the thing is it's happening it it happens on on its own terms it's happening on someone else's terms it's not happening because we set up a double-blind test and decide whether or not our dogs could figure out whether or not we're going home. Right. It's a completely different thing, and and that makes it very hard to, um, you know, to grasp by some, by some people who are off, who are authorities. But also, I'm noticing as I listen to these guys that they're dealing with authority. That's in one case, relativity is a hundred years old. And quantum mechanics, the other case, is 50 years old, and there's nothing new since then. So they're mapping the same stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And the world and the universe just keeps growing, just keeps going. Right. And, you know, I mean, why don't you get out of the 50-year-old shit, you know, and get into mm-hmm. something current? Mm-hmm. Um, but Especially yes. because I think there's more of us who are elevating to our consciousness, you know, a greater consciousness, understanding that our power goes, you know, further than just, you know, what we learn on a board and can repeat it on paper. Well, I think to their credit, they brought that to our attention. That consciousness is, a, is an item that we should consider. So we're even so that you and I and people like you are able to focus on what that really means and therefore make you know, make something, make some kind of stew out of it. Right, but uh, consciousness. Okay, so then, then are we saying that consciousness 
is infinite, infinite intelligence. Well, it's valid. I think you say that. Okay. Sure. So then when I ask the brain scientists, you know, is the mind, is the mind the same as the brain? And he looks well, at me. Hmm. Yeah, well, the mind, I think, I think the mind is maybe a tough word. There's some crossover there. I think consciousness and the brain, that's where they make the separation. I think they, I think what, when you say mind, I think then they, they see that as the, as the function of the electromagnetic function of the synapses of the brain themselves. I'm thinking, I'm guessing, I don't know. After I'd have to look up mind and I can't. Um, how does mind relate to consciousness? Are they right. the same? Are they the same? Right. I, by well, by definition, can... I don't know. I don't know. Well, we can expand our mind. We can't expand our brain. Well, but expanding your brain, by expanding your mind, I think all you're doing is ma making better use of your brain. Okay, but Are the brain, being what it is, isn't getting bigger than our head. Our head isn't growing, right? No, 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 no. But you, but you have a lot of unused material in your brain. Correct. So we have a lot of unused materials. We're expanding our consciousness. Right. 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 To the infinite. So there are, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that we have that keep us small, less than what our capability is. You know, like well, telepathy. We to, well, we have to believe, we have to understand in that case, I think that, that uh, uh, everything is an observation, including the discussion from some, from some place. Everything that we everything that we talk about or say is an is an is an observation from someplace. Like if I say something, that's an observation that you make from where you are. Okay. Same with me. And so, in the scientific community, it seems to me that that they're making observations that they're trying to get more finite to better understand the atomic structure of what the decision making process is. And in the mind of the observer they're becoming smaller and smaller and smaller instead of bigger and bigger and bigger, trying to find the expansive answer by getting smaller. And mm -hmm. I think that, that one of the solutions to that is to, is to go the other way. Mm. So, but that's, you know, that becomes a philosophical problem. And, and, um, I don't know. And, I mean, just hearing you say that, hearing you say that, to me, just immediately related to the vastness of consciousness, how big it is, because consciousness is information, information is light, and light is love. So we, again, it's out there. So how do we bring it down into something like a nutshell? How do we break it down to the simplest form so that we can understand it? Well, the unfortunately, because of our limitations, all we have is instrumentation uh, to measure how it reacts in observation or okay. some other way. So then if we have to measure how it reacts in observation, measure how it reacts, which takes us back to the game. Only until we put it into practice will we experience that reaction. Until then, what we're doing is judging from our own experience in our belief or non-belief. We have to put it into practice to see the reaction. 
to make the connection. Well, I think that's valid. I think the game is a scientific process, but I think reading anything becomes a scientific process, but I think the game, um, uh, so it's, yes, I think that's valid. It's a valid assumption that you have to put it in practice. Yeah. But I think, I think that goes, that goes with anything. The game is, is, uh, is not particularly circumspect in how it has to be handled. I think that the, that, um, if as you and I speak, if you tell me a story, uh, and I'm the observer, then and as you're telling me the story, you have you have a uh, a visualization of the story you're telling me, and I am receiving it, and I'm receiving a relatively small slice of what you're envisioning. Okay. I'm receiving my now, and I may be changing it. As I'm listening to your story, I may be changing the story based on my concept of my of my own history. My history oh. will, will will change how I perceive your story. But wouldn't it depend on how articulate I was, you know, with with details and things? No, well, of course that would help, but I don't think that's going to solve the problem. I think I think that that just that I think that we are, that's the reason we have imagination. That's the beauty of who we are. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So solve what problem? Well, just that, just that, that I get to listen to what you have to say and turn it into my own thought. Okay. Hmm. It's interesting that we got here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it took under fifteen minutes <laughs> to paint herself into this corner. Okay. Well, the reason why is because this morning I was thinking about the stories I had written in the game. And in do you remember yeah. any of the stories? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. those stories, I didn't just write them for the mere fact of showing people how we are to each other. They're not just examples. They're exercises. You know, once you read the book and you understand the game and what we can and cannot do, et cetera, et cetera, then you go back and you read those stories again and ask yourself the question, where was the assumption? Who was entitled? Who lost their king? Now, I've done this, in, I mean, you know, with my students who took the 12-week yeah. course. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you just, if you take like like Rusty, the story Rusty, yeah. the only child, I mean, yeah. if you, you know, all, so you're, you're naming these people, you know, Robbie, Rusty, right. so forth. So I have, I don't have, I, I have to, build a picture of those people okay as i read it which may not be your picture of them that's but fine the, but you're but following the, the story the, yeah the message is coming across but the pictures will change that's one of the i think one of the beauties of consciousness is that we are able to confabulate all these different things in multiple dimensions and come up right. with the same results but they're all different right Right. But the point of the stories is that even though you might be imagining, you know, Rusty looking a certain way or the little boy or whatever, you know, you, the point is you're following the story and the story has words. You know, what I mean, there, there's there's a story here. So I'm asking the question. Who made the assumption? Who lost their king? 
what happened here? So I'm asking the question so that as you're reading the story, you can go back and identify these things. This is what you're supposed to be doing in real life. This is how you recognize your player. Yeah, but that's just, that's an interpretation, which is fine. That's what you have to do. That's how you have to, that's how you have to consume the game is to have an interpretation of what the game is trying to tell you. Therefore, make decisions about what it says and then take action accordingly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Don't Maybe you I'm... think that's correct? Well, yeah, you you definitely have to, it's a study. It's a study. And then you have to, you know, keep, uh, like like a Rubik's Cube, keep twisting it until you have the right perspective. Because the initial perspective is not going to be right. It just won't be. There's too many components. However, yeah. However yes. what I'm pointing out is that is that the that the the playing field is infinite. Yes. There's okay. just no end to what the perception can be. No matter who the observer is, there's but no wait. end. Okay, but it depends on the context that we're talking about because that's the whole problem is that everyone has their own idea of what love is. And so ev because everyone has their own idea, it's infinite and we can't come together. We just can't come together. It's just too hard to love. It's too hard to have two people be happy with each other for a long period of time. Not that it hasn't been done. It's just, you know, the odds aren't with us. <laughs> you mean... Anyone who says it's been done is lying. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there, <laughs> they, you know, there truly are people out there who love each other dearly and have been together forever. And that's, you know, there, of course. But the great majority of people are having a hard time making connections and having them last. You know, that's why we have terms like the honeymoon phase. We're almost anticipating that we hit three months and it's, you know, well, now we're, we're we flatlined. You know, or the seven-year itch. Why do we have that? Why is it? Why was it named? Well, I think it just gets back down to the physics of the whole thing. It's, it's you know, the eye of the observer. People have observed that people get flat after three months or six months or whatever it is. But the it's reason, just observation, history, right? Okay, but the observation—it's that way. But they're not observing the right thing. Sure, we can look at it and go, well, most people fail after three months. If it doesn't last three months, it's not going to, you know, whatever. That's the benchmark. Sure, observation. Because it keeps happening. But what you're not observing is why. Why? See, that, that goes into the part we were talking about earlier, and that is that is that when information is given, you're receiving a very small portion of what is the infinite information coming at you. You don't get the whole thing. You just get a part of it. There's an infinite number of appearances in anything that anyone says. Okay, but wait, are we observing, let's say, the couple that's been together for three months and now they're having problems? Are we observing? Is that what you're saying? No, I think they're observing each other and they're missing okay, it. Okay, so, so they're observing each other and they're missing it. Okay, so they missed it for a very long time, but they've been willing. That's the key. When two people hit the first gate and they are physically attracted to each other and immediately once, I mean, that's instantly. Okay. So now we're to gate two. Now it's, you know, are we compatible? Do I like your personality? 
you know, do I, I see that you're attracted to me. Okay, I'm attracted to you. So now we're both willing to fall in love because we're looking for it. You're still making assumptions, though, as you go. You're, you're making your own assumptions as you go, how you feel. It's an assumption of how you feel. That's real, of course, but it's an assumption. Well, without any kind of rubric, you don't know what you're doing. You're literally going by, you know, feeling, emotion, and sight. I had teachers like you that said they had to have a rubric. I remember that. Um, well, I mean, yeah. it's like any formula. If you want it to work, you got to know the formula. And yes, you know, but you don't need a rubric. It's so different. I don't think that's just too confining. No, it's not because we're talking about love. We have to simplify the complexity of it. Otherwise, I guarantee you, you're going to get hurt. I guarantee you. I've not been wrong. I've, you know, I mean, in all these years that I've talked to people, hear their stories, you know, what they're going through, blah, 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 or they just met somebody, this, and that, and it's like, nope, you're missing it. And they know well, I'm I right. Can, I can see the rubric maybe that would be getting rid of, getting rid of like something like the Mandela effect where, where people, you know, observe and remember different things about events that really happened. They remember them differently. Uh, if you're having a conversation with someone, and you're asked about it later on, you would have the Mandela effect. You wouldn't remember it the same way. Neither one of you would remember the same sure. way. So that's, that is part of the anticipation of what someone is saying. You may perceive it to be what you want it to be as opposed to what it really is. Okay, but that's, that's literally the difference between men and women. You know what I mean? It's like men are so simple. It's like, what are you thinking about? Nothing. What? What? Yes. Oftentimes, a man typically is a fixer. That's his natural go-to. He's doesn't a fixer. Him, doesn't make him simple. No, what? Just don't get offended. <laughs> Let me just talk. Okay, so what I'm saying is the simpleness is the black and white. Okay, we can see black and white. What are you thinking about? Nothing. Why? You need something? What can I fix? See? Well, she's not like that. She's colorful. She's expansive. She's expressive. It's different. So when you're telling me that the two people see things different, absolutely they do. She's reading okay. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's underwriting my position. I, I get that. Yeah, I agree. Okay. With that. Okay. Right. So now this is why we need the formula to understand how we're reading what is happening in the present moment. Without it, he remains the fixer. He doesn't understand why she's mad right now. What did I do? I don't get it. And she's just like, oh, my God, you're clueless. Yeah, but if he becomes like the instrumental mediator who wants to do something dramatic to fix it, fix it, fix it, and he's missing, you know, if that represents 10% of her thought process, it represents 100% of his, and he's missing 90% of hers. So would she just drifts off and thinks this guy's too thin or he's crazy or what? No, because there's there's other components to who we are. You know, it's like that's a disappointment. It's just a disappointment. It's a mechanism of the being, but it's a disappointment because there's an expectation there. There's an expectation from her for him to allow her to be expressive, to understand more, to have a higher view of things, you know, and take in the whole picture. 
where that gives that gives back to phenomenology, I think, between the two of them. Okay. Remember, then, remember the classic picture of the of the uh, of the rabbit. Uh, that's also the duck. Yes. See that? the rabbit yes. and the duck. Yes. Yes. Well, that's these two people are looking at that picture as they talk to each other. They're switching from rabbit and duck, based on okay. the based on their based on their history. Uh, okay. Okay, that's fine. Yes, that's what they do. But we're trying to get them to see the same thing. That way they can communicate on the same vibration. I'm saying something and you're hearing it. You're not responding to something else that you thought you heard. And what that is, is literally I say something and he is trying to decipher what I meant by it. Yes, that's true. Okay, where did that come from? Where is the problem? And so he's going to answer back, not with what I said, but what he thought I meant by it, you know, and where it came from. And it's like, no, I'm right here. I'm right here. This is what I said. Respond to this right here. Is is that unfixable? Is that a fixable male trait? No, it's very fixable, and that's where the game comes in because it's the same rule that applies to both sides. They both have to move one move at a time, and they have to follow the same rules, and they have to use the same pieces. So she's allowed to be expressive. She's allowed to but she's got to stay on the board. You can't make assumptions. You just can't make assumptions, you know, especially about, I don't know, like, you know, the insecurities that people have, you know, like with themselves and you look at your partner and your partner is looking at somebody else or something else on the TV and you're thinking, oh, great, you're attracted to that? Go get it then. It's like, what? You know, all of a sudden there's an assumption from the insecurity. So the accusation comes out. And if you're that, hmm. that reminds me of the of the uh, of the infinite capacity of of God, of of consciousness. If, if you know, in other words, if if you're getting into God as consciousness as all this exists and so forth, if God has ultimate capacity, I'll bring this to the con. Could you? Can you? In your capacity, for example, to conjure something, let's use God as an example. Could God think up a rock that was too heavy for him to lift? Could that, is that possible? Could God think up a rock? A rock that was that's too, too heavy, heavy for, for God for God to lift. No. No. Could he do that? No. So then he is then firewalled, isn't he? Firewalled. Not by infinite what? after all. What do you no, mean? By, by his capacity. Oh, just because he can't think up that, that he can't lift. But the... right. <laughs> again, <laughs> dear God, <laughs> trying to find faults in the theory. No, we have to stop looking at God like he's an old man in the sky with a big beard. It's It's not that. Why take off the old man part in the beard? Can God, as as anything, can God as first cause come up with something that he can't control? Or she? Can God come up with something that it cannot control? 
No. No. Because well, it's God, again, God is firewalled in. God, no, love. It, but you're the creator. As the creator, you can control it all. As long as you're willing to will, live within your constraint. What constraint? You're creating it. Yeah, but you can't create it bigger than you can lift it. <laughs> because you're bigger than all of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, always trying to find fault in God. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. You say, is that how you view me? Are you yes. viewing me that way? Yes. We're, we're trying to solve the problem here. Solve it. You know, not find the holes in the cheese. I mean, I know that's what you're doing. You're trying to, we have to test the whole thing. But instead of hypothesis, you know, hypothecating on what if, well, can you, can you do that? Again, you're poking at it, poking at it. Why don't you just, not you just personally, but anybody, just accept what is and put it to the test. Well, you have to believe it in the first place. First of all, you have to believe it. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So we have to believe it. So what do we have to believe? That love is the answer? Well, I think that's reasonable to assume that love is the answer or being nice or some version of of lack of abuse or something like that. I think you could, you know, test that out. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. If we blindly think or believe that love is the answer, can't prove it. We can't define it. We don't know how to apply it, but we do believe that. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt over and over again. And this is why people don't believe that love is the answer. Because they've been walked on. Now, wait been... a minute. Isn't that what you just told me I was supposed to do? What? Was believe that love is the answer? No, I, I asked the question. Is that what we're supposed to believe? What is the belief? You said, if we believe, and I said, believe what? That love is the answer? And that's how we got here. And And I'm saying that if people believe that love is the answer blindly, without knowing how to define it or apply it, then you're going to get hurt. You don't understand how it's the answer. Well, how yeah, is I mean, what's missing. Yeah, that's, a, that's an impossible situation. What do you mean? That's almost, yeah, that's almost guaranteed to fail. Almost guaranteed to fail. What part I of think. it? The part of it is if you, if you blindly believe love is the answer without any, yeah. without any application. Yeah, of course. Yes. Application yes. or know-how. It, okay, so okay, the average person say, but Marilee, I'm trying. But I'm so nice. But I've learned to hold my tongue. I've, I've learned, you know, it's like I, I, I'm always giving more than I get. You know, there's a defense. And the defense comes from believing that you understand the definition of love. Yeah, but as a, as a species, we're, we're designed, we're taught to love uncertainty. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's the same, though. Love uncertain uncertainty. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think I mean, taught that. How? Well, I mean that's the whole basis. I, mean, I hate to I even hate to use the word physics, but I mean that's the whole basis of science. 
is to is for us to be curious about uncertainty and therefore love uncertainty. Okay, but we're not taught that. We're taught to fear. We're taught how to love under the veil of fear. We don't trust, but yet we do we trust so easily. You know what I mean? That it's like so many people have trust issues because they trust so easily and they don't know what it is they're looking for to see that the person in front of them is trustworthy. And it, until you become that and you understand how hard it is, then you don't really understand. You keep having to trust the business partner, you know, your date, whoever it is. You just there are just certain things you're just gonna have to do. I just have to trust you. And when I go to the bank, I have to trust the teller is gonna put my money in my account. I mean it's all day long. Yeah, okay. That's I, what do you what what's your point there? What's your point? My point is that trust is so easily given most of the time. Even when people have trust issues, the trust issues are coming from our uh, giving our trust away so easily. And we do that because we don't know what love is. We just don't understand how to break it down and see it in action. But. Doesn't that define it all as a rubric then? Are we back to the rubric of defining love? Right. But is that too confining? Is that, does that take away the uncertainty of life? Yes and no. What it does is um, when you are confined, okay, it's, it's, it takes a lot of practice because you're fearful and you don't trust. And your ego wants to operate in the 3D. Yes, all of that. So it seems like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I doing here? Because it doesn't seem like I'm in the game. You know, I'm not defending myself out there. I'm not pushing harder. I'm not whatever it is the world wants from us. But on the spiritual side, it opens up everything. And all of a sudden, things start happening in your life that you never could have planned. You didn't see it coming. There's just no way that you could anticipate what God has planned. And you start to live in that arena. That's when you start to trust the unknown. And you realize it's all working in your benefit. Just stop fighting. But to exist in the universe as an atomic structure, for example, to exist in all that's, that's created, to be, to exist in your brain, your eyeball, your your back, your jacket, the whole thing, everything is based on uncertainty. That is that is that that uh, you're not too sure. Um, it's it's like it's like the uncertainty principle, um, the, the the Heisenberg or or. Um, That's where anxiety um, comes in. Everything, everything has to be either alive or dead to be one or the other at the okay. same time. Okay. okay. So for you to be alive, you have to be dead at the same time because to solve the principle of how it works in the universe, to, to the way we understand it at least, 
So if you're practicing these things, again, it seems to me that you are always, always, you're you're being pulled toward the uncertainty of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you know what's going on, you stop. Wouldn't you want to just keep going to find more and more and more? I'm not sure I understand that visually. I was trying to follow that. Well, Why would I let's, stop it? Let's just say love. Let's just let's just say love. Okay. Okay. Define love. There's an interpretation. You'll have an interpretation of how you define love or what you feel love is or how you're successful or unsuccessful at it. But it seems to me that the uncertainty of getting the right answer would keep you going to get more of what you like or less of what you don't like. You would keep driving. You'd keep going. No. And that doesn't that modify the picture as you go? No, I mean, I mean, I can't. it's hard to say, you know, because people, God bless them, they get married ten times over, so they still believe in love. They still believe in it. You know, they keep doing it, keep pushing forward, as you're saying, but. There are plenty who just give up and say, you know what, I'm, there's just nobody out there. You know, nobody who understands, nobody who matches my vibration, nobody understands my mind and my heart and my intention. So they retract. They don't push harder. Well, you're describing people that live in a parallel universe, like they're going together in two separate things. Is, is What you're saying is that the game is what brings them, if they were to read the game, their parallel universes would become one? Right. Because the person who keeps getting married over and over and over and over again clearly doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing wrong to make that relationship fail. But they're willing to try again. So they get up and do it again. Yeah, but the so person... that's, that's the yeah, mm. parallel universe, different tracks. They right. think they're right. They think they're right. They think they're correct. They think they've got the right answer. Maybe, maybe or maybe not. They're just willing. You know, they might admit i don't know what i'm doing but if you are willing to love me i'm willing to try this again and then they go on because they don't want to be alone but the person who chooses to be single you know they are of the belief that you know they just haven't found anybody who matches them spiritually intellectually you know morally and it's just better not to put your energy into it and not get hurt so they pull back So what the game does is it gives both of those players the answer to why they're doing what they're doing. There's there's a a definition. There's an absolute understanding of, oh, so this is what it is. I've learned not to trust. This is what what the, you know, the single person who wants to be alone. I've learned I can't trust anybody. I'm not hearing. I'm not seeing. I'm not experiencing anybody that I want to be with. But do you know what you're looking for? I mean, absolutely. Do you know what you're looking for? No, I'll just know when I see it or I'll feel it or I'll know. You want to know what you're looking for. And people say, well, how do you know what I'm looking for? Read the book. And you'll know. You'll know that you want to be able to trust your partner. And why? What is what are the markers? If you don't know the markers of what, how you're supposed to trust somebody, then how are you going to trust somebody without just giving it away and then, you know, hoping for the best? Well, yes. Um, I think if we, without the game, 
it's true that you could you could if your relationship becomes a stack of of pop bottles, beer bottles, rolls of tape, and matchbooks, and you put a line put a light on it, and, and it reflects as a as a dog on the on the wall behind it, um, you know, then that combination became a dog. But uh, but the game, as I'm hearing your interpretation, is that it gives you a chance to become the dog without the pile of junk. <laughs> They're going, these analogies, John. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, we're talking about dog now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but to, okay, to, but to, to land the plane here, basically, you want to be able to look at the person and say, I recognize that you are fearful. Now, when somebody is fearful, it's because they don't know who to trust. They have insecurities. Okay. Now, we're going to call them player A and player B so we don't get confused. If player B, right, um, is fearful and player A says, oh, I see, like a dog in the corner, you are scared. I'm love. I'm going to love you. I'm going to get you out of the corner. I'm going to love you up, and I'm going to tell you that it's okay. All right? So the person who's fearful will open up and begin to trust. Well, they haven't done the work on themselves. So what happens is they come out of the corner, and they say, okay, you're going to love me. I'm trusting you. But they will hurt player A. They will bite and they don't know why, but they will. And then player A says, wait a minute, wants to preserve. So they pull back and say, no, you're not going to bite me. Player B will blame them and say, you know what? You did this to me. Why? Why did you love me? You know, I trusted you. I opened up to you. And now you're treating me like this? And then people will call that a narcissist which is way overused, but they're not identifying the problem. If they would have identified that the person is fearful, they are going to hurt you like a dog in the corner. They will bite. You don't want to go in and rescue the dog because they're not going to be like the dog. They won't. There's too many issues there. And so then people get, but you can't give up on people. Well, you're self-sacrificing if you do it. You are going to get hurt. And what you're doing is you're putting God second. You're telling God, get in the back seat. I got this. And every time you will get hurt. Well, but if you, in, in that story, everything is, as soon as they get in the middle, they're all stuck in bafflement. You know, they have no idea what's wrong. Right, but it's, it's one just, more time. Exactly. They don't know what's wrong. Player A says, you know, I didn't have to do this. I loved you. I haven't done anything to hurt you. You can trust me. So now they're defending themselves. Okay. And player B is acting out because they've got other issues that created the fearfulness. Those insecurities are going to hurt player A. But player A didn't see that. Why? 
because player A had problems too. Player A needed to be needed. Player A preys on those who are needy to fulfill their self-worth. And they so how do you get hurt. rid of the lingering? How do you get rid of the lingering particle in each case of rebellion, where they're both ready to rebel based on their misinformation? Yeah, I, I hear he's saying rebellion on both sides. Mm, I don't. I don't know. I wasn't thinking rebellion. They're they're literally acting out from a place of pain, and they're not rebelling they're so re much against the other player, but but more against themselves. Because they keep doing it to themselves over and over again. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what happens is player B blames player A for getting them to open up, to trust them, to come out of the corner. And they hold that over their head. I trusted you. How could you do this to me? You know, and now they think player A is obligated to stay. To continue to love, even though they're being hurt, it's it's completely dysfunctional on both sides, and neither party understands what they are doing to attract, you know, either side, and they're just perpetuating the pain. So when they finally get away from each other, well, each of them are going to find another player A and another player B. So we end up with a with an with an with a uh, infinite series of recapitulations between yeah. two people. Right. So um, player A has what's called the broken bird syndrome. The broken bird is the helpless one. I'm going to come in and save you. I'm going to love you because then you'll love me back. But what happens is when the bird's wing heals and they decide to fly away, then again, player A gets sad because they always leave. So they say, nice guys finish last. You don't understand. You were weak. You were needy. You haven't grown in yourself to stop picking the broken bird. <laughs> are you thinking or what <laughs> i'm exhaling um, <laughs> um this is how hurt we are so both these people have souls yeah all right they both have they both have consciousness they both are connected to the to the ether of the universe um, they're both, they're both have hemostatic balance within their body. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Let's not go so deep, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go All back right. to, to right, A. Throw me a rope. I'll get out of the hole. Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Player A, the reason why they're attracted to the broken bird is because they feel that they're an empath. They feel that they are compassionate. They want to help the lesser of. This is the reasoning. 
The truth of the matter is they never got the love that they deserved. And that's where okay. the compassion comes from. Okay. All right. No, no one they're, was they're, there they're, for them. They're, they're reacting to a learned response. That's what they're doing. No, it's pain. Yeah, but it's still learned. You know, they were they were taught. They were taught that it worked out, you know, you can survive by by not being loved. It's a teaching for learning. Yeah, but it's not about survival. Right. It's not about survival. It's about understanding. Nobody was there for me. I understand what it's like to be in pain. I understand what it's like when everybody has let you down. Yes, but but that's, yeah. So now I'm big, going to that's a big miss. It. That's a big miss because he, like, that's just a dead-end street every time. Yeah. Uh, for who? For, for A? For player A, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's why you have to heal and get understanding. Why do I do these things? Are, huh? Know who you are first. Right. Huh? So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, you keep attracting the same type of person. Well, some people will be like, oh, that's not true. I've, I've tried all kinds of people. And they'll start describing an image, you know, whether it be the cowboy or the tough guy or, you know, the professor or the, it doesn't matter. Whatever, it doesn't matter what hat they're wearing. They have the same dysfunction. And that dysfunction that you're trying to remedy in others or you're attracting is the one that is in you. So actually, nobody else is the problem. It's always introspective right? what you're saying. It's 100% always introspective. At that point, you protected yourself to make the right decisions. Yes. And it's not a matter of protection, really, just a matter of learning. Well, we live in a fear-based society. Yeah, I know, but that's we're you know. elevating above that. But, yeah. I mean, that's why we're protecting, we're trying. See, that's the thing, though. We're trying to protect ourselves. But at the same time, we're literally giving our trust to so many people who don't deserve it. But here you go. You know, people, here you go. But people who listen to that, you know, could could accuse could could accuse the process of being pseudo intellectual. You know, it's like you don't know. You haven't lived my life. You this, you that. Do they have any value, or do you just cut let them go, bring somebody else in? Well, I mean, when somebody starts defending their life, saying, you don't know because you haven't lived my life and et cetera, et cetera. I don't, I mean, for me personally, if they're talking to me like that, I don't need to know their life. I literally don't. They're telling me who they are with every word that they speak. All the rest are details. I can see the pain. Yeah, but are they going to believe that from your mouth? I don't, why would they believe yeah. that? Well, they believe it because when I point it out and I get right to the, you know, the crust, uh, crutch of it or whatever, it, it, they just go, how do you know that? I hear that all, how do you know that? And we all know when somebody says truth, they're speaking the truth, you stop for a minute and go, huh, it's an aha moment. Would you, do you consider yourself art or science? both because I have reduced love down to a science but the application of the game is art okay 
that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, art, I think art, if you, if you, if, um, art would be the tree of life and science would be the tree of death. Um, science, you know, disassembles and, and, and breaks apart and brings it down and looks deeper and deeper until, until the situation is dead on the table. Art breathes light, expansive, gets up, gets up, gets up. And so you're splitting the difference between those two. Well, I broke it down. Just like yeah. you're saying, the science, I broke it down so right. that anybody, you know, my 16-year-old or 11-year-old kids out there who are reading this book can understand it. Right. I get that. I get that. But the application is artistry. It's the finesse and understanding, being able to move through the five gates, understanding the rules and knowing what piece to move at the right time. It's artistry. That's where grace comes in. You know, it gets right back to what we were talking about yesterday about Alexander Pope and light, dark and light. Hmm. Hmm. Um, you know, art and, and um, um, you know, art and, 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 uh, and science uh, dark and light, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, th the laws are, are hidden in, in the dark. And it's the light that brings out the expansiveness. The laws are waiting to be expanded on. What law? So they, well, any law of anything, any law versus, a, versus, a, uh, versus something being habitual. Now, I think I think I agree with 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 uh, with um, Sheldrake that, that nature is habitual and not there, there's no constants of nature. Nature is habitual. I believe that. I believe that, and I believe that people are the same way. They're habitual. They're not constant. They're habitual. So what you're describing is people going back to the same thing, the same wrong thing, which is the habitual part of their of their existence. They need to get the darkness out of that environment that's all part of science in its own way of discovery okay that's so what discovery it's real discovery so what we're saying is our behavior is stem from habit Trained generally habit. it is generally it is yes yes mm -hmm. until we, until we change it until we change it you know and the only way to change it is to recognize it and if we don't see it there's no hope Okay, to that, like yesterday, you know, I made that post. Somebody got really triggered, came on my, po on my post, and they commented, you know, shame on you. How dare you be so judgmental and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you just came right out the gate with your sword. You got triggered really bad. And, um, you know, it's like you didn't even stop to ask me, what does that mean? Because you don't know me at all. You don't know what prompted me to post what I posted. You don't understand where it came from. None of it. And you just came out with your sword to cut me down. And I just, you know, after a couple of exchanges, I said, and this is a prime example of why love needs an education. Because you got so triggered and you're the one that's being judgmental. I didn't come to you with a sword to cut you down. I'm in my own space in my own home 
and I can say what I want to say. And if you don't understand it, ask me, what does that mean, Merle? Don't come at me with your sword. You are being the judge at that point. And she didn't see it. She didn't well, see I, it. Well, yeah, I can. Yeah, of course she didn't. I mean, that's just it's an ideology attack, probably. You know, I well, mean, you, the, can't, there were so you can't, many... you can't change if you if you if you if you manage to stick a pin in a belief system, you're not going to get a conversation. I don't think you're going to get an attack. Right. I mean, well, the, there were so many assumptions that that um, that triggered her in that post. Yeah. And I, and I had to ask her. I said, you know, I'm not judgmental at all. And I said it makes it. It makes me question if you understand what's going on on a global scale. Of course, she didn't have anything to say to that. And it's like, so you're going to make it a, a personal attack on me when I didn't attack you at all. And you are failing to see that I didn't attack you personally. And who are you championing anyway? That's not love. Seems to me you'd have to get you'd have to get through the back door on that kind of a deal. I mean, it, I mean, if this if this person is even worth worrying about, you've got to you you you've um. I mean, obviously it's a frontal attack, you know. Right, right. But it's perceived as a frontal attack on the other side, so it, it's 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 a miss, but it's it's a perception. But the question then be is why did you take offense? As if I was talking to you. There's an insecurity. There's guilt. There's something there that triggered you to come out and attack me. Well, it's a perception. Right. But the th what I'm saying is that I posted it and it wasn't to her. What's the main difference? This is on social no. media? Yeah, but it does make a difference in our understanding of people. Okay. And the perception is I make a post that is directly related to our global system right now. What is happening in the world? She took it personally and then she came and attacked me personally instead of understanding or asking for clarity as to what the post meant. Well, it, all it is is a training session for running for Congress. You know. <laughs> This is where we need to learn how to love. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not entitled to come onto my page and try to hurt me. I did not hurt you. I did not attack you. I did nothing to you. I didn't even know you existed. It wasn't about you. So does that have an impact on you when she does that? Not at all. It just okay. shows me. Number one, it shows me that she's entitled to take me, a fellow human being who has feelings, and she's entitled to hurt me on a public forum. She can't be trusted. Whoever she has in her circle, she's hurting all the time, and she doesn't even know it. But in her mind, she's doing good. 
because she's letting me have it. Well, there's lack of education there, I think, just right out of the box. Um, I don't want there's to use not. education as the as the point, but I think that's maybe part of it. But that's just it. It is a lack of education. It's yeah. it's not knowing yeah. how to deal with with each other. You know, on a human level. Where are your pieces on the board? She doesn't have any. Right out the gate, she started breaking all the rules. She was entitled, right? She accused me. She made assumptions. Yeah, but her she life is full to... of transcendent purpose, you know, plans, designs, history. You know, she's dealing from her position. It um, doesn't matter. That's We can't make allowances like that, and we can't excuse it because of that. We're trying to identify the problem. That's where the the gold is. You need to identify what they're doing. We don't make allowances and excuses as for why they did what they did. Well, I mean, you're talking about the Socratic method right off the box. I mean, it's, that's interesting. Why did you say that? You know, she could have said to you, that's interesting. Why did you say that? And she could have been, you know, she might as well have been Socrates. That's the Socratic method. But then what's the next step after that? Well, that's just it. It's one move at a time. You allow me to answer. When she says, what do you mean by that, Marilee? Then I could have expanded and she would have got greater understanding as to what I meant. When I asked her, I'm now I'm wondering if you understand what's going on on a global scale and she had nothing to say. It tells me everything I need to know. She took offense on a personal level. Yes, but but yes, but you, but you, but you in that circumstance also implied that you were smarter than she was. When? Which is going to keep her defensive. When? When you said that, that, just, that you don't understand what's going on on a global scale. No, that was not my first response out of the box. It well, was after. Your second response. You know, your second response. You put her away. You just, you just put her away, which is maybe the right thing to do. I don't know. No, <laughs> I, I asked her. The question becomes, I mean, I can go back to the post, you know, and That's say right. verbatim, okay. no, but sorry. the thing is, no, it's, I asked a question. I'm never trying to just knock somebody out of the box. It's literally just a clear question. Now I'm wondering if you know what's going on globally. Yeah, but see, you don't have to try to knock them out of the box. You're good enough to just do it because you exist. You re-argue. You've got to be careful on your own, because you're re- you're hot. You're good. Well, <laughs> I'm clear. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you can be dangerous too, you know. I mean, it's like I get what you're saying, but but sometimes your answer, which is kind, could be so de- devastating that they you know they, they suck all the air out of the room. Well, that's true. Because I know, you know, yeah, that's true. Well, that's, and that's the thing. Love is dangerous, and that's why you should fear it. Okay. Because it wins all the time. You know, and that's, I mean, on the everyday, day-to-day, you know, happy-go-lucky, childlike innocence, you know, what, what could she know? But when you understand the depth of, of the knowledge that comes with love, it makes it very dangerous. And not not in a way that, you know, um, I could hurt you or knock you out of the box. It's just that you don't see it coming. 
you just don't see that answer coming. And that's when you know, you're you're just like, whoa. But but to survive in that, I still think you have to love and learn how to love uncertainty because it's going to be uncertainty that's coming at you. No. OK, so that's the thing. Uncertainty. It, but it's it's limited because it's going to be either the pieces on the board or it's going to be the rule. There's nothing else. There is, I took all the uncertainty out of our um, exchange. Excepting your partner has a perceptual apparatus working in her or his brain. Okay. Of what's going on. So you are it's still irrelevant. a perception. You're still a perception. It's irrelevant. It's absolutely irrelevant. Well, and the reason uh, the reason why it's irrelevant is well, because I mean, you can't ambush their perception. It's just you can't get around it. It's not about that. It's not about their perception. It's about how close to their authentic self are they. Perception is irrelevant. If they are far from love and they're full of ego, they are going to behave. All of their responses are going to be witnessed as they break every rule. If they're closer to love, then you're going to see them moving their pieces. You're going to understand what they could have said, but they didn't. Instead, they moved a piece. And that's self-control. That's awareness. That's a commitment to love. And that can be, that is respectable. And that's how you learn to trust people because you can see what they're doing. It doesn't matter what their perception is of me. What it matters how they're behaving. And they'll always tell you. Always. This is what I was talking about, you know, well, way ago, before the book was even published. And I would tell people, we're all going to be naked. You know, and you don't have a choice. Because if you don't want to read the game, then you don't even know what you're doing. And other people are reading the game, and you don't understand how naked you are. While you're putting on this mask, everybody can see right through you. So you better be able to see right through you, too. And get yourself in the game. You have to know you got it's time to educate. We got to pull the veil off and say, oh my gosh, why am I doing that? Is this a commercial? It's not a commercial. I'm just, well, I'm sorry. I don't mean it to be a commercial. <laughs> it's just it's real. It's a good one. It's a good one. No, it's just real. <laughs> no, it's a good one. Yeah, I don't mean it to be a commercial. I'm sorry. No, stop it. You're fine. What the hell? You wrote the best book of the 21st century. Live with it. Yeah. All right, we're over our time, yeah? No. Where what does your clock say? An hour and seven minutes? In 13 seconds. So we're good? <laughs> stop. I don't want you to go yet. Okay. Okay. You're unhappy. You're unhappy. Because I said it's not like a commercial. I don't want it to end that way. Okay. Shouldn't be that way. Well, you said it. What, what, what rule did I break? Why did you say it? Because I thought it was funny. 
And that's the difference between sarcasm and humor. And grace. grace. So that was sarcasm. Is, is that what you're saying? That, that that was sarcastic? Well. As opposed to humor? I'm just asking the question. It hurts. Humor doesn't hurt. So what could have been humorous then? To think about okay. what you're about to say and not say it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that wasn't my intent. I'm sorry. Exactly. And that's how we operate every day. It wasn't my intent. And without knowing what we're doing, we cannot fix it. We have to educate on how we respond so we can stop hurting each other. It pushes love away. But, you know, I mean, sometimes all you're trying to do is add texture to a conversation. And Whatever you miss, you're trying to do. You know what I mean? Without the education, you're trying. But you missed. And there's a consequence to the miss. But isn't there... No, it's isn't energy. There a mulligan? Isn't there a mulligan available anywhere in this? No. There isn't. And the reason why is because it's all energy. Energy is real. You're either pushing it away or you're attracting it. Huh. So no, we don't get mulligans. We have to be aware of what we're doing and what we're saying. And if we continue to have knee-jerk reactions, we are pushing love away. And we have no one but ourselves to blame. And we can't blame others because of their problems and their issues and whatever, their narcissistic things. It's us. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. So okay. until we're, you know, we're willing to fall in love with ourselves, then we're going to continue to experience pain, period. Well, yeah, but wait a minute. I mean, I don't, in saying, in, in saying that this sounds like a commercial to me, I mean, when I said that, uh, I didn't make any of those assumptions. Um, yeah, I but. Mean, is that. Uh, okay, you said that without considering me, without considering the fact that I don't like self-promotion. I don't like to boast. It's in the book, and I don't, I don't want to do that. And that's not what I was doing. I was trying to add clarity, and then, like a sword, it came. To, it just hurt me. We have it, but okay. Would would you have the option at that point to laugh and say, and come back at me with something, or would that just be the wrong approach? Would you have the option to laugh and say, "Ha ha," you know, in your dreams, pal? I'm okay. better than that, or something. Sure, we've been trained to let it roll. My ego would say, "Ha, you tried to hurt me, but you didn't." I let that roll, and I came back quickly. With another snap. Love doesn't do that. Love will take the hit. 
Okay. Well, I mean, intellectually, I understand what you're saying. Right. So then what happens is, if I were to do that, like most people do, it doesn't matter. The damage is done. The damage is done. It's like you're going to hurt me in public. Then you're, you're training me not to trust you. That's why it's so important to know what we're doing. Okay. All right. Well, I like I said, intellectually, I, I hear you. Yeah. Um, anyway, you. that's our lesson for today. <laughs> I do love you. I love you, too. I'll talk All to right? you. Okay. Bye. Bye.